Local Matters brings you incredible stories about Indiana original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. I'm Mel McMahon, and today we'll get the story of how Tony Ellis started Morellis Cleaners, a dry cleaning business since 1985. We'll talk about the challenges and the successes along the way and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, leading local living. Tony, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for coming to the All Indiana Podcast Network studios. Thank you for inviting me. It's much appreciated. Looking very dapper today. Is that a freshly dry cleaned suit? That's right. Perfectly cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Tell us, how is the dry cleaning business these days? What's going on? It's been struggling with COVID. Uh, There was a dramatic drop in business early last year, and it's beginning to recover. Is that? Yes, it is, but... uh, not back to the level of pre-pandemic. How many locations did you have? I had eight. Okay. And how many do you have now? I have four. What was that like to make that decision to shrink things down a bit? It, it, it was difficult, but I understood that this is what I had to do to get through the COVID challenges. Yeah. And to, you know, move forward in a positive way and, and get back to profitability. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Have you uh, innovated, done anything differently? Um, we, we've offered a delivery service now, a door-to-door delivery service. So that's new? That's new, Okay. yes. Great. And that's something that prior to the pandemic, we'd just updated our software, which would allow us to do that. And then circumstances changed. And retail came to an almost complete stop at that point. Mm -hmm. So we focused on the delivery side and, as usual, customer service and quality. And so I've been really very lucky in that the staff have stayed despite the challenges. And uh, so we have the four stores with very experienced people, knowledgeable, and have done this for a long time. And you have John, your son here, who runs your deliveries. John, scoot over to this microphone. Say hi. Hello. So are you the guy who texts me then to ask if I have stuff ready? I ask if there's anything to pick up or a good time to drop off and what's your best availability. And then also any other preferences that you may have or any other concerns that you may have. I'm always there on the other end of the line to answer any questions or concerns. Well, it's nice to talk to a human being. You know, like there's a lot of times, um, you know, where, you know, some kind of service, you just kind of have a window and you hope that they show up. Right. Right. Or maybe they showed up and you weren't expecting them to show or, you know, that kind of thing. So that communication um, has been huge. So customer service has been something that's, you know, really big for you guys. Do you think that kind of, you know, that helped you get through the pandemic too? Absolutely. Um, As I mentioned, Mel, uh, demand for the service was, our services was down considerably, but we still had loyal customers uh, who understood that it wasn't an, an easy time for us, but they came in week after week. And going to your point about uh, the delivery service, the personal touch, that's what we're trying to do to make us a little different. Well, and I think too, with uh, dry cleaning, you know, I kind of put my hat on a different way. Um, Full disclosure, I use the delivery service. Very happy customer. Appreciate that. When beforehand, you know, when I was going to 
you know, galas and charity events and doing presentations and stuff. You know, I did have regular things that I needed dry cleaned, right? right? Same with my husband, you know, going into the office every day. Weekly dry cleaning needs. He's probably working from home forever. Mm -hmm. We're not sure if he's going to go back. Um, I've recently started going to events again, you know, so I've had some like nicer shorts and stuff, but then it hit me. This comforter is not going to fit in my washing machine. I bet I could have it dry cleaned. I just started cleaning out my closet. So I was like, I need this done. I need this done. I need that done. Let's encourage people to do that, shall we? What are some of the things that you can clean that maybe people don't even think about? Right. And that's from a social media point of view. We're really making an effort to convey to our customers what services are available. Wash and fold service, that's for people's towels and and personal laundry and what have you, and that's done by the pound. So if some, you know, if time's very important, obviously, to people. We can do that service for them, and it's good value. So, What about linens and stuff? Is that things people can bring into, like tablecloths oh, yeah. and yep. napkins and those yes. kinds of things? Yep, that's something that we, I think we're good at. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get a professional finish, stain removal, and pressing and so on and so forth. That'll be my next uh, pickup, John, just so you know, because (laughs) I cannot get the stains out. Right. And I'm sure you could, even if it can't completely come out, it'll be better than what I can do. Yes. And they're always wrinkled. Right, right. (laughs) I'm like, here's a lovely white tablecloth that is a wrinkly mess. Red red wine's our specialty. Ah, I like that. Maybe we should just go spilling red wine on people and be like, here's the card. Take that to Morales. Tony, was the dry cleaning business something you always wanted to do? Or what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a commercial pilot. Commercial pilot? Yes. Okay, this is a little different. Right. Uh, yeah. What happened to that plan? Uh, eyesight was a problem. Oh, uh, back okay. In, back in the 60s, uh, you had to have perfect vision. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, so I knew... Prior to being a teenager, that wasn't going to be an option. Mm -hmm. So I didn't at that point decide that, well, the next best thing is being a dry cleaner. (laughs) So it's just circumstance. Yeah. And I wrote to a number of companies after high school to see if I could get into a training program. And a company in the UK, the Johnson Group, offered me that position. And I've done it ever since. Wow. Wow. And you're from the UK, correct? I'm from the UK. So it's yes. not a Hoosier accent that we're hearing no, there. No. <laughs> John, John's maybe. Yeah. Hoosier all the way through. Yeah, we got John. John's the Hoosier here, for sure. We got it. So how did you go from dry cleaning in the UK to owning a dry cleaning company in Indianapolis? The company I work for, the Johnson Group in the UK, public company, uh, for Tuckman Cleaners in 1982. And late 83, I, I was asked to come over for six months to help with the transition from a second-generation family business to being part of a public company. Um, so that six months became 37 years. You just never went back. Never went back. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I have children here as well. Mm-hmm. So, Tuckman's asked me to stay for two years, which I agreed to, with the intention of going back. I ended up meeting John's mother mm-hmm. and getting married a couple of years after I came here, and uh, four children later. 
So <laughs> Joan, now you're stuck with us, huh? Yep. Joan's a twin. Um, uh, I have a couple of daughters. Mm-hmm. One who's older than the boys and one who's a little bit younger. So um, anyway, I realized after a, a year or 18 months at Tuckman's that perhaps it was time to do something different. And having an interest in cars, something in that type of line of work. And I met socially Michael Moore, um, who was in the banking business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a marketing major from IU and ended up working for a local saving and loan here by the name of Arsenal. And in the mid-80s, he realized that there wasn't much future there. And for some reason, he thought it would be glamorous to be a dry cleaner. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I say that, say that in quotations. But he was persistent about it. And my interest level wasn't particularly high. I felt I wanted to do something different. But we talked, and there certainly was a, a resonance between Mike and myself. And he said, come on, let's go and do this. So we bought a, a store at 54th and Keystone that had been there for 20 years at that time. Um, our market study was sitting in Steak and Shake across the street and counting customers on a Saturday morning and doing basic math and came to the conclusion that would probably work. Okay. Did it? It did. Um, probably paid a bit more for it than it, we mm-hmm. should have. But gotcha. Benefit of hindsight and part of the learning. Um, but we realized that if we were to do this with young families, that we would need more than one location. Mm-hmm. We also didn't have the ability to, we didn't have a lo- short laundry facility. We could just do dry, the dry cleaning side in-house. So back then we realized very quickly that we were going to have to evolve to the point where we, we had a shirt mm-hmm. service that we could, we could offer, as I say, in control. And really the control aspect was important, the quality and, and on-time service and so on and so forth. And we concluded we would need three locations to justify having our own shirt laundry, and we opened... We bought the Keystone store in October of 85 and we opened a store, which we still have, at 116th and Range Line in early 88. And then we opened a store at 96 in Allisonville um, in August of 90, if memory serves me correctly. And at that point, that's when we put a shirt laundry in. And each one of those was a, a production facility. Um, when business was pretty vibrant, people took armfuls of, of cleaning yeah. uh, to their local cleaners. And so... The days of the leisure suits. Well, it was... Lots yeah, of suits. Yeah, yeah, lots of suits and silk blouses and what have you. And people didn't really think twice about getting that stuff clean as opposed to washing it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, your typical washer was a top loader with a spindle. Mm-hmm wasn't particularly kind to the silk blouses and so on and so forth. So they would get brought to the cleaners. Um, What changed or has changed and been a challenge for the industry has been uh, business casual. Mm -hmm. That's certainly taken a significant toll um, on 
dry cleaners. Smoking laws that changed. Flint. Oh, uh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, right. right. So that that changed things. Um, better wash and dryer technology, front loaders mm -hmm. with computer control cycles, better fabrics. Mm -hmm. Manufacturers started producing washable silk and rayon and and so on. Um, and then working from home, and that. Actually, was was it becoming evident prior to the pandemic? I yeah. mean, it's been around for, well, I say been around, but that's become more prevalent over the last decade mm -hmm. or so. And all of these things have contributed to the challenges for the industry. Um, my understanding is that volume is about nationally about 50% of what it was uh, 20 years ago. Wow. Our decision was to just be a retail dry cleaner, which in retrospect put us at a bit of a disadvantage when COVID hit. Um, and prior to COVID, we were, it was part of our business plan to offer a delivery service. We just weren't ready to launch it mm -hmm. early last year. Um, so we still have the core four retail locations and we, that's for people who would like a more personal service mm -hmm. and want to come in and chat and see our staff who've been there forever and some, you know, develop some, I think, really good relationships with our customers. Um, and then we have the delivery service. So your name, Morellis, it's right. the combination of Michael's last name and your last name. That's correct. And Michael has since passed away, he correct? Has. Yes, he passed away four years mm -hmm. ago. What motivates you to keep going? What motivates you to keep these businesses going? Well, uh, I enjoy what I'm doing. But beyond that, I have great staff who've been with me for a long, long time. And again, I mentioned earlier on, Mel, that they were incredibly loyal throughout the pandemic, particularly when it, it first arose. Um, being able to offer a service that's hopefully appreciated, and it it is rewarding still, and always will be to to do something that that puts a smile on the customer's face. Coming up, the challenges and successes Tony has had along the way, and what he wants you to know about starting your own business. This is Local Matters. Hi, I'm Lance. And I'm Mel. In the spring of 2012, we were walking around downtown Indianapolis. We were looking for someplace local for dinner. We threw out a restaurant name and Mel asked, Is it local? That simple question became a much bigger conversation and our company, Indiana Originals, was born. Every Indiana Originals member is certified local. That means the business is an Indiana-owned and operated company, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain. When you discover and support a business on our website or on our app, you are keeping more money in Indiana, helping our communities be unique, and creating jobs. If you spent 5% more on goods and services from Indiana, we would have $1.8 billion more for our schools and infrastructure. So when you break it down, that's just $35 per household per week. When you see the Indiana Originals badge, you know you are supporting local Indiana businesses. Download our app powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains and get your business certified local at indianaoriginals.com. Indiana Originals, leading local living. Hello, listeners of Local Matters. This is McFarling Foods, and you know, 2020 was quite a year. 
McFarling Foods was there through it all because McFarling Foods is serious about partnership. We are in this together. That's what it's all about. We care about what's best for your business. How can we help? And McFarling Foods is a partner to local independent restaurants. Because, hey, anyone can sell you food. Wouldn't you rather have a partner? A partner who's invested in this same community. McFarling Foods. We're local. This is our home, too. It's where we live, where we work, and where we raise our families. See, nothing's more important to us than our community and our neighbors right here in central Indiana. Oh, and we are very proud to be an Indiana original. For more about McFarling, go to McFarling.com. That's McFarling.com. We've been chatting with Tony Ellis of Morella's Cleaners, who started the dry cleaning business in 1985. Tony, what's been the hardest part about being a business owner? Well, I really none of it, if I may say, in, in that if you, have, if you have your eye on the goal of, of providing the service and what have you, that motivates you to deal with the things that perhaps are, are less comfortable. Um, so, but to answer your question, probably the hardest thing is um, pivoting, wearing a lot of hats, uh, being a mechanic one minute, talking to a customer the next, um, plunging the toilet the next. Um, it's all the things. Doing payroll and so on and so forth. Dealing with, you know, so uh, that's the appeal of it in that. You can, there are so many facets to it, but at times that can also be the difficult part of it is the juggling act. How was sales for you? Because I know you've mentioned in conversations and stuff that you know, sales isn't something that really came naturally for you, but when you start a business, you're, you're everything. You are the salesperson. You are the one plunging the toilet. You know, what, what was that like? What were some of those early days in the shop like? Uh, probably the most enjoyable getting to know Mike. I, I, Mike and myself have probably met a dozen times before we took the plunge. So it was, there was a risk involved in that. But I think it was also a benefit because we didn't have preconceived notions about each other. And he was just a really a decent person and helped me better understand how Indianapolis worked. Because when we bought the store, I'd been here um, just a little under two years. So, still dealing with a bit of culture shock. I would say these days the two cultures are much more aligned than they were 30, 40 years ago. Mm. Internet's done that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I came here, I thought that uh, Dynasty or Dallas or programs like that were the way it was. Oh, yeah, we like to do that. You're right. <laughs> uh, they fooled me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, Mike, Mike and myself, I think, primarily became friends quickly. And he, he was a little older than me. So he, he had a paternalistic side to him that really was reassuring and helpful. You know, if I was up, he'd bring me down and if he was down at bring him up. Mm -hmm. So I think, simply put, his strengths were my weaknesses, by and large, and vice versa. So it worked. And it was fun to work with him. 
So, but in the early days, you know, the sales aspect was meeting the customers and, and answering their questions and trying to develop the relationship. This is all pre-computer, so we had no sales records really. Well, we had listing sheets, mm -hmm. but we didn't, we didn't know how much an individual spent. It didn't matter. They walked through our door mm -hmm. and they were and, and dropped off one shirt for a, a dollar as it was back then. I think it was actually 99 cents for it to get a shirt laundered and Mike and myself fretted for weeks about going beyond a dollar. Really? Well, yeah. Um, but we, we took the plunge. We've had to take that plunge several times since then. But um, so, again, well, it didn't matter whether the, the person was bringing one laundered shirt or, or 20 pounds of slacks. We were just happy to see them come through the door. Would you say that's one of the most rewarding parts about this, is taking care of people? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's not a particularly glamorous service, but being able to provide something, I mean, to take a lady's favorite dress, has a must stain on it, for instance, that could be a challenge. It's right in the middle of the dress, and she considers it unwearable, brings it to us. Um, we get it out, we've saved a $100, $200 dress, $500 dress. That makes people happy. And so that, that's rewarding to see that. And um, so it's the customer aspect of it. I, I think I've enjoyed the most. What would you tell others that want to start their own business? What do you want them to know? Well, I would suggest they have a written plan. We didn't have one. It mm -hmm. was just fly by the seat of our pants, and as things evolved, trying to come up with answers, not always successfully. So we didn't have defined goals. We had loose goals, like I mentioned earlier, about having our own shirt launderer. Mm -hmm. But we didn't say, by this time, we have to do this. And, and so if we, if we decided to open another location, there wasn't a written business plan. We just dealt with it, got our materials in, ordered the equipment, installed it ourselves while trying to run the business. Um, so it, it was very much, it evolved. Mm -hmm. um, we tried to learn from our mistakes. Not always successfully, but sometimes we did. Um, and don't be easily discouraged, I think is, is really the key to making it work because things are going to go wrong, sometimes several times a day. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you have to pick yourself up and, and just say, okay, bit of a setback, but now I need to find a solution to that. Mm -hmm. And that's where Mike was great. You know, we'd discuss things and, and come up with an approach. So. Now, Tony, I was watching HGTV the other day, like all day long. So just home renovation shows all day long. And okay. at the end of it, it made me just want to take a sledgehammer to every single room of my house right. and, you know, magically redo it in 28 minutes or less, right? right. I think sometimes, and let me know if you agree with this or not, you know, we see entrepreneurs on TV or these reality shows or these, you know, magazine spreads of, you know, oh, look how successful they are. And they just, you know, walked out of their job one day and took a chance and They've made it. 
Do you think that we give too much of a misconception about entrepreneurship Absolutely. to people? Absolutely. Yes. I think it's, it's glamorized. Um, you know, it's hard work. And I certainly had no youthful ambitions to be um, in business for myself. It, it was fate and good luck and an opportunity. Um, so you know, if, if an individual feels that being self-employed is, is wonderful, they perhaps should be aware that it requires commitment. Um, you can't clock out at the end of the day at 5 p.m. or whatever. Uh, might be midnight in our case if a piece of equipment broke and we, we had clothes that had to be ready the next day. Uh, then you stay up all night and find a way to fix that. Or if a breakdown results and you get it, it involves you getting behind with the, uh, the customer work, then you work all night to catch up. So it's, it's, a, a con it's the, the fact that your time's not defined. Have you found a way to turn it off yet? Like, can you take a vacation and not think about the dry cleaning business yet? Any uh, secrets you can share with us because I, I haven't gotten there yet. I, right. I would go back to England once a year for a couple of, this is when my parents were alive. And this was back in the 80s and 90s, so we, we didn't have the um, challenges of cell phones and what have you. Mm -hmm. Landlines were it. Um, no iPads. So, yeah, I, I would be able to shut off for two weeks. That's much harder these days. You know, ping here, ping there, expectation that people reply immediately. Mm -hmm. It's not always the right thing, not always healthy because it, it breaks people's focus. But uh, in my advanced years, my older age, um, I'm really beginning to un understand the importance of balancing it more. John's been a tremendous help. My daughter-in-law, Kelby, as well. So that's, that's allowing me to, I still only play golf about twice a year. <laughs> um, but toodle around the garden, for instance, and, and, and just say, okay, I need time on my own now. And opportunity to recharge my batteries. So yes, that's one of the things I'm trying to do is find a better work-life balance, if you like. Mm -hmm. Missed out a lot on my kids growing up. When, and I can't change that, but uh, he's still sitting here. So I think he still likes you. Yeah, I hope there's so. definitely pros. Here, hang on, John. Turn that microphone. Okay. There you go. There's definitely pros and cons uh, to being self-employed. Obviously, it's always going to be on your mind. It, like, if you work for somebody, you can just, once you clock out, that's it. Not other than a few certain professions, but once you're off the clock, then it's not on your mind and you don't have to worry about it till you go back to work the next day. But being self-employed, there's always, the, the gears are always turning in your head mm -hmm. at night, three in the morning, mm -hmm. about this, that, or the other, the minutia. Uh, and the risk is all yours at the end of the day if you're self-employed. There's something to be said for the uh, security that being employed by a somebody else uh, can provide for you. Um, there's a safety net, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But when 
when you're uh, an entrepreneur and self-employed, it all falls on you at the end of the day. Right. So. I think one of the most. I think one of the most appealing things, perhaps going back to one of your earlier questions, is the sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's not about financial reward. Um, it's more about. It was challenging. You managed to get it done. And of course, that exists in any workplace. But as John said, you sink or swim. Yeah. So. Definitely the hardest thing I've ever done yep. in my career. Yeah, for fr- sure. It's a bit frightening. For sure. It is. And for someone who is a, I mean, I'm a risk taker, right? right? Like, I will jump out of the plane and figure out how to put the parachute on mm-hmm. on the way down. <laughs> but, you know, as John mentioned, you know, Three o'clock in the morning. Yes. Just wake up, and it might be an idea, or it could be a fear, or oh my gosh, did I do that? You know, right. what did I do? And you know, with Indian Originals, you know, when you include the community members, we have over three hundred members. That's a huge responsibility. In Indian Originals That's now, a huge responsibility. And you know, my job is to promote businesses like right. yours, right? right. And right. it does weigh on me because it is a business, and our mission is to create healthier, stronger communities and more mm-hmm. jobs in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I do that by supporting other businesses. And it, it does feel like pressure, right? You know, you have the pressure of, you know, the employees, right? You're the one that they're depending on, yep. right? You have the customers. And it, it is a lot. And I think people don't necessarily take the stress of it into account, yes. right? Because, you know, we do glamorize things so much where they only see a piece mm-hmm. on social media. And it's like, yes, that meeting went fantastic this morning. I'm glad you liked that post. You didn't see the phone call happen right after. That was just like, right? Yes. Right? right. But, you know, it is important that, you know, we work together. And that's why I love hosting this show because, you know, we can help people on whatever path that they decide. And, you know, Tony, we are honored to have your company as an Indian Originals member. And why Thank does you. supporting local and being known as an Indian Original matter to you? Well, it's my belief that small business is the backbone of the community. Um, I mean, the statistics are well known. I think 60 to 70 percent of individuals find employment working for small businesses. Um, and that's exactly what Indiana Originals draws attention to, the fact that there are people make, trying to make it work. And it seems to me like a, a, a great way to promote within that small community, if you like, the 300 members, um, to help each other, bring customers and, and you know, get ideas from. And I went to one of your... Uh, Happy hours, just, it was just the week before the race, I think, mm-hmm. on Main Street and Speedway. And met people who, who really do some fascinating things, and some of which can be helpful to my business. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can help them in some ways. So, Tony, besides IndianOriginals.com and our app, where do we find out more about you and how do we support your business? MoralesCleaners.com. If you're interested in the delivery service, there's an app that you can click on and get signed up. It also provides all of our pricing, uh, the services we offer, a little bit of history about the company, and I think that's it. Tony, thank you so much for being our guest today on Local Matters, and thank you for doing your part to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Mel.
And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana Originals, Indiana.Gifts, and McFarling Foods. It's an honor to bring you incredible stories about Indiana original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. Learn more about why Local Matters at indianaoriginals.com and on our app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains. I'm Mel McMahon, and until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Download the Indiana Originals app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains, and check out indianaoriginals.com.